0: Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the podcast that helps companies become a great place to work for all because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. I'm Christopher Tukacic, the Chief Content Officer at Great Place to Work. Each week, we meet with great leaders who have helped their companies become better workplaces by focusing on their best asset, their people, who in turn help their organizations become more successful. Support for Better comes from Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine, and continues to be a longtime winner on Fortune's annual list of the 100 best companies to work for. We are at the Great Place to Work for All Summit 2019 in San Francisco, and I'm joined today by Matthew Schuyler, who's the Chief Human Resources Officer at Hilton. Welcome, Matthew. Chris, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I wanted to sort of go through a bit of the numbers with you about what makes Hilton such a great place. I, I, looking at the numbers is always the first place to start for telling a company's story, I'd say. But then I want to talk to you to hear about what has made those numbers so great, for, sure. especially at Hilton. Yeah. So for those of you listening, uh, and if you don't know what Hilton is, which you probably should, um, Hilton is a leading global hospitality company that is comprised of 5,700 managed and franchised properties in 109 countries and territories. It also has a portfolio of 17 brands, the most recent one launched last week. Matt, which one was that? Signia Hilton. Signia Hilton. In addition to Tapestry, all these new uh, hotel brands are coming out, so as as people are traveling and seeing uh, new hotels, and you don't know what it is, it's probably a Hilton uh, property, but it also has its award-winning customer loyalty program. Hilton has 55,000, more than 55,000 employees that are based in the U.S., and 405,000 globally. Through the Great Place to Work Trust Index Survey, we have discovered that 96% of Hilton's employees say that this is it's a great place to work. And 98% say that when you join the company, you are made to feel welcome. And 97% say that they are proud to tell others they work for the company. So congratulations, Matthew. Yeah, thanks, Chris. One of the other big honors that just recently was announced was that Hilton has taken the top spot. Number one on Fortune's 2019 list of the 100 best companies to work for. That's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. You were proud and humbled by uh, that achievement. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it just sh- it shows the testament of all the work that you've done over the past 10 years since you first joined the company. But one other thing that's really surprising, at least I was surprised by, was last December when we published the hun- a list of the 100 best workplaces for diversity. And Hilton came in at number one on that, too. And you're also on our list of the world's best as well. How did you do it? Well, it really
1: starts with our strategy, which is a reflection of our business model. So I'll start there. We're a business of people serving people. And for the longest time, the first element of our strategy has been our culture. We want to make sure we have the very best culture to be able to attract, motivate, and retain a great workforce so that we can be the best at serving our guests, a business of people serving people. This vision really started 100 years ago as we get ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary in 2019, and it's carried forward to this day. We call our employees team members for a very distinct reason. We know that running our business, our hotels, requires a team effort. Everyone pulling together to service guests to the best of their ability. So. I think the accomplishments of these rankings are a manifestation, really, of our culture of people serving people and one team doing that together around the world. Yeah. And uh, we're awfully proud and, and, as I mentioned, humbled to uh, have those achievements.
0: And in some ways, we feel like we're just getting started. So the future looks bright. Well, you've been, you've been in this role now for 10 years. So tell me a bit about more about what the company was like when you first arrived. And then I want to get into more about what you've done to help affect change at hilton i mean the company itself has gone through quite a bit of organizational change just because it has different has had different owners over the past few years right. you know and i'd like to get a little bit of insight about you know how you were involved in that process what part of that did culture become so important
1: Well, it really began with the purchase of Hilton by Blackstone in late 2007 into 2008. And at that stage, they hired our current CEO, Chris Nesetta, to come to join Hilton and get the company uh, re energized uh, relative to their their purchase. And he began, as you might imagine, by forming a team around him. And I joined that team in mid 2009. So I'm coming up on my 10 year anniversary here pretty soon. And along this journey, we've been really steadfast in the vision Chris had originally when he came on the scene in in 2007. And that was to start with our culture, literally make sure that everyone knew that all of our service begins with our people. And to achieve our goals, we're gonna have to have the very best people aligned around a singular vision, mission, and set of values. And when we all arrived on scene in 2008 and 2009 and looked around, we realized that various properties and corporate offices had different sets of values, different sets of uh, vision and mission statements, and they weren't exactly the same. And so that created, I think, quite a lot of confusion around the organization as to just what are we shooting for? What's the North Star? So, one of the first things we did was to set out a singular vision, mission, and set of values for the company. We wanted to make sure everyone understood them. They were simple and easy to understand and ultimately measurable and uh, livable, I'll call it. And it really started with our values, which we laid out uh, very simply as H-I-L-T-O-N, hospitality, integrity, leadership, teamwork, owning your decisions, so ownership, and operating with a sense of urgency or now. And that maybe at the time seemed too cute by half, but in the end it made the biggest difference because we have 99% recognition of those values around the world. It Starts with hospitality for a reason. We believe that we're a business of people serving people and our goal is to be the most hospitable company in the world. And from there it just cascaded and uh, we've had great success in that result
0: uh, over time. Yeah, And so as you had to have that conversation around culture, was it difficult? When you were talking, having those conversations with top management, with leadership, with Chris, saying we really need to focus on culture, or did he already understand that? Was it was there? Was it a challenge for you to sort of convince him to? to he, focus he definitely on it, to understood
1: it. it, drove it, set the strategy to begin with, and uh, you know we cascaded it from there across our starting with our leadership team. Tone at the top was important, but really where it manifests itself is at our properties, and so we needed to get the message out. We've got five thousand seven hundred properties now and growing. We're up to 17 brands now in total across 109 countries. So to get that message out to over 400,000 team members under Hilton Flags around the world was a big undertaking. It took us a while to get there. But I will tell you what made a big difference was to be absolutely resolute, to not change, to continue to drive that message from the top, and to make sure everyone understood. We measured it annually, began a survey in 2010 across the entire enterprise with a 92% completion rate. So hundreds of thousands of data points coming back in from a survey that told us whether or not that message was resonating. And then we just kept after it, year after year, measure and reinforce,
0: measure and reinforce. And in the end, that I think has made a difference over this last 10 years journey. And what has been the most surprising thing for you as you're looking through those numbers? Is there a specific area of focus that, that you've seen has had major improvement?
1: Yeah, we we took considerable time to reinforce the fact that we're in this together. We're a family, and that matters. We also quickly realized that people would rally around a broader purpose and the meaning it provided to their work, irregardless of their role. We have some 3,000 different job types across our enterprise, and irregardless of the job type, people don't want to come to their place of employment every day just to do a job. They want to come there for a broader purpose and meaning. And so I think our greatest learning along that journey was to harness the energy of a broader purpose and to make sure our team members understood that we're shooting for a true north here. This business of people serving people means that we can have a great impact on people's lives and to be a difference maker in their lives. When you think about our business, many of the major events in life occur at a hotel. And we're uh, enablers in that regard. Right? Weddings, business meetings, speeches of a lifetime happen at our hotels. Right. And when we began to communicate about this broader purpose, we saw a bounce in the step of our team members, their eyes getting wider and lighting up. And it resonated and we, we just keep reinforcing it each and every time we have an
0: opportunity. One of the things that I have noticed in the past, um, just you know, when you look at social media, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, people are often sharing photos of themselves, not at, always at home, but they're doing it when they're traveling. The people love to travel. They do it when they're on vacation or if they're visiting family or wherever, but people love sharing that moment. And I think that this is where Hilton has had a great opportunity to really not only, you know, uh, extend its brand awareness, but also to talk about the culture as well. We, we agree wholeheartedly. In fact,
1: What our statistics and surveys show is that it's not the hotel property that you remember. It's the service you receive. It's that moment that matters where someone has done something above and beyond your expectation or they've recovered from an issue that you've encountered during your journey or they've provided delight in a way that you didn't expect. Those are the more memorable moments of travel, and we're at the heart of that. And so part of our messaging to our team members has been to ensure that they understand that we know this is what they provide. We want to enable them to do that, empower them to be at their best all the time. Mm -hmm. And so if you true all the way back to our strategy, from an HR perspective, the programs and the practices that we've established over the last 10 years are really meant to enable those team members to be their very best because if they're at their very best, we know they'll deliver the best service. And during those moments that matter, it'll be distinct
0: and guests will come back for more. And so in these 10 years as CHRO, what has been the one singular most awesome best day for you in the past 10 years?
1: Well, I have to say recently, it's being uh, ranked number one on the top 100 best companies to work for. That was a culminating moment in our company. And I have to say, the amount of energy that it has provided to us as people learned of it has been palpable and really great to watch from the top of our company, our leaders, to our properties, just like the San Francisco Hilton here. people are absolutely overwhelmed by this news so so most recently it's that. I would say more broadly, I've been in five different industries in my career as an HR practitioner. the day to day Experiences that you have in the hospitality industry is not an event-driven moment, but it's a moment nonetheless that I say, in comparison, this industry is incredible in comparison to other industries. You are absolutely humbled every day by watching our team members serve guests and dedicate their lives. Decades of work experience dedicated to our guests has, to me, been the singular most reflective moment over my
0: career. Now I have to balance that question with what's been the hardest day for you.
1: Well, it looked like any role and job, there are hard moments within every day and hard moments uh, overall in the course of your experience. I think whenever we have to uh, take dramatic steps in a workforce, whether that's tacking to a, a different set of experiences that we might need in our corporate offices to a hotel that's going through lower volume where we may need to reduce our workforce for the moment, Those are hard days, and we've had those moments. uh, Of course, uh, 2008 and nine, when the economy was waning, uh, there were some low moments where we had to retract a little bit in certain pockets. um, And those were days where you have to go back to your values and just make sure the moves that you're making and the steps you're taking are adherent to your values. And I think when you do that, it makes a big difference. So I'd say those were
0: probably the moments that I'd say were the lower points. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech, a biotechnology company dedicated to the rigorous pursuit of science and the discovery and development of breakthrough medicines for people with serious diseases. Recognized as one of Fortune's 100 best companies to work for for more than two decades, Genentech cultivates an environment where scientific innovation thrives and where each person feels valued, included, and able to contribute their best for patients. Learn more at gene.com. I want to talk a bit about you were at Capital One. That's right? correct. Yeah, before com- yeah. coming to Hilton. I know the Capital One has been on the 100 best list for a number of years. Was it while you were there that it first showed up on the fortune list?
1: Yeah, I've had the distinct pleasure of working for four of this year's top 100 companies in my career, Capital One being the most recent before Hilton. And it was during uh, my tenure that we you know, began the application process mm-hmm. and um, uh, we're fortunate to get on the
0: list and uh, I think remains on the list today, uh, so you're, ten, 10 years after departure. You, so. You've <laughs> seen this uh, the success multiple times over at, at four different companies. It's kind of amazing. I have.
1: I, I've been really blessed to work for some really great companies, among them Cisco. Uh, as well as Price
0: Waterhouse Coopers. and so uh, I've been real fortunate. So uh, from the larger picture, looking at the fact that you've worked in five different industries over the, over your, uh, your career, by focusing on culture, I mean I keep uh, talking with you know executives from many different industries and it's sort of the same thing. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you know you can improve the work experience for your employees. Yeah. And so as you've approached those different jobs, those roles in those five you know, different comp- or five different industries, What have you seen has been sort of like the the running theme about what's making companies not so great places to Mm -hmm. work and Mm then sort of turning that around?
1: It's a good question, Chris. And and in my experience, it's the most talked about aspect of business, but equally the least delivered upon. Because in the end, it requires investment and trade-offs. And oftentimes, businesses are unwilling to make that investment. They'd rather invest in something else or unwilling to make a trade-off. And what I've tried to employ over my career is a business rationale for the investments that showcases the return. Using Hilton as an example, when we are conversing with our owners of properties around the world, we talk about the ROI equation for investing in team members. It's the service profit chain. Hire great people, give them a great working environment, let them be great. They'll deliver great service. You'll have better returns. If you don't do that investment, you won't have as good returns. And importantly, you'll have higher attrition. People will leave you faster. That is a considerable expense that business often overlooks. It's a hidden expense. There's no line item called attrition. Right. It's buried in the P&L somewhere, various spots generally. The cost to backfill, the lost time that you experience as a business when someone's ramping up to backfill someone who had departed that you otherwise would have liked to retain, is a very big expense. So we have spent considerable time at Hilton showing the analytics associated with that equation, where a small investment in people programs and practices results in a larger return both because your revenues will be better, your guests will, in our business, your guests will come back for more, and
0: also your attrition will be lowered. The theme of this year's summit we're at now, today, is that it's innovation by all. And the concept, of at least the term that we've created at Great Place to Work, is that it's the ability for a company to inspire every single person within the organization to contribute to the innovation process, no matter what that is, whether it be creating new products or services, new processes internally, And I'm wondering what it is that Hilton's doing to focus on inspiring its employees to innovate.
1: Yeah, we're strong believers in this concept. If you look at all the innovations that have occurred in our 100-year history, they happen primarily at a property level. They're small in some instances. The pina colada was invented at a Hilton. A brownie invented at a Hilton. The Waldorf salad came from the Waldorf Astoria, a Hilton property. And so we have small innovations that end up becoming very big and system-wide, or for that matter, societal-wide, that happen locally. And that's exactly what we want. We want to empower our teams at a local level to be creative as they're providing services to guests. That will make for a distinct experience, which in the end could result in some pretty nifty innovations that we can leverage across the enterprise or more broadly true corporately as well. We want our corporate team members to feel empowered to innovate because we know the next big thing is on the horizon. And if we can be there first, if we can leverage that to provide even better service,
0: all the better for our owners and all the better for our guests. Speaking about diversity and inclusion, you know, the the hospitality industry is already very diverse. What are you doing within your organization to help Anyone who might not be, you know, on a career path that will allow them to climb the ladder at Hilton, mm-hmm. uh, what are you doing to inspire them? How are you training them? Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of success stories over the years about Hilton employees who may have started as a housekeeper or might have been doing something in the back of the house, not necessarily guest facing or whatever. But what are you doing to try to, you know? inspire your employees to make those big career changes?
1: Yeah, well, one famous starting point is our CEO started his career in the hospitality industry in engineering, sanitation engineering, to be clear. So he worked his way up through the organizations that he was employed by with a very uh, humble start. And that is true with many examples across our enterprise. Let me start by saying, for us, diversity is a given, but inclusivity is a choice that we have consciously made. We want to be a great workplace for all, everywhere we do business. We want to be a welcoming environment for every type of interested worker, or as we call them, team member. We have really great jobs at starting points, at middle management points, at leadership points. And we like to showcase how starting a career at Hilton can be a rocket ride. You start at entry level. We have tremendous training infrastructure to provide you with in-the-moment training, regular training at intervals that make sense in your career, ultimately management training and leadership training that will allow you to achieve your personal goals and objectives. The rest is up to you. We've got the infrastructure there to support you, we encourage it, we make it part of our recruitment pitch to candidates, and we've had great success. Many of our senior executives, in fact I'd say most of our senior executives, grew up in the industry. And many have spent decades with Hilton, growing up from entry-level positions to ultimate leadership positions like the one I
0: mentioned with our CEO. Right. At what point in your career was there a turning point or uh, an event that happened that made you, as you were beginning your, your path in the, in the HR space, that made you think uh, culture is, is and not only is the most important thing at a, at a company. But what made you really want to focus on it and and just use that as a point to really change a business? Yeah,
1: it's a great, great question. I, I started my career as an auditor at Price Waterhouse. I was an accounting major from Penn State University. And in my audit days, working with large clients in the Pittsburgh office of Price Waterhouse, it became crystal clear to me that so much leverage was born out of the people equation at the big companies we were auditing. And yet, those companies weren't seizing the opportunity to make that the leverage point. And so I thought, if this is my strong belief, why don't I get into this field and learn as much as I can about it? So I shifted from being an auditor to an HR track, starting in recruiting and working my way up to a regional role, a national role, ultimately a global role at Pricewaterhouse, where I was able to really experience many of the facets that um, taught me the leverage points of of HR and as I look back over that experience I will tell you the hunch was right it's a highly leverageable area that most companies don't take full advantage of Mm -hmm. what's the best leadership advice you've ever received you know I, I think it's probably one that many people have received and that's to be authentic be yourself make sure that you know internally who you are and what you want to be and be true to that if not the imagery you create as you are being inauthentic will eventually catch up with you. It won't show well. And so for me, I think the best advice I got was early on of just just be yourself, do your best work, work hard, try hard. And who told you that? Again, growing up in professional services, it was a bit of a cultural norm to get continuous feedback. And so early on in my tenure, the partners that I was working for and and with were quite clear on this fact, and and that was was impactful for me. It was formative learning years, and as I looked around at people that were not adhering to that advice, I saw a distinct difference from those that were.
0: So it resonated with me, and I think uh, they were right. When you're looking at potential suppliers or partners that Hilton has across the business, whether it be with food and beverage. I mean, you tell me, you know, all the different types of suppliers you have. I don't, I don't specialize in, in, in the hospitality many, industry. Many, many. In but, fact,
1: um, interestingly in my role, I actually run procurement for Hilton as well. So oh, okay. procurement right.
0: reports to me. Okay, uh, so, then you, so then yeah, you know, then supplier, you know this really well. Yeah, it's quite diverse. So as you're um, looking at potential new suppliers and partners, you know, does the culture co- uh, topic or conversation come up just to make sure that you're working with not only a reputable business, but that they're treating their people well? Absolutely. It's a key criteria
1: in us doing business with any partner. We go through a very thorough vetting process to ensure we're doing business with the right companies. We are at a large-scale purchasing volume, as you might imagine, in our business. So billions of dollars of spend run through our purchasing roles every year. So we're dealing with, in many instances, large vendors, and we run them through the same trappings as a small vendor just to make sure that their values are consistent with ours, the treatment of their workforce is consistent with ours, because we know we're gonna work hand-in-hand with them to deliver the supplies needed to run our hotels. I and mean, really the hotels are businesses within a business, mm-hmm. and so procurement is a really critical function for those hotels. So making sure we have the right partners who adhere to the right set of values is an absolutely
0: critical part of our business model. And have you ever had an experience where you had to stop doing business with the supplier because of that issue? Absolutely, yeah, Yeah. and we won't hesitate to do that. And how would you find out that something
1: was wrong? It we'll discovered? either hear it from one of our properties or we'll experience it or we'll read about it. I mean, all yeah. the normal ways you might imagine where you could come into contact with some information that shows that supplier, that vendor isn't adhering to your values. We obviously then investigate to make sure that what we've heard, read or seen is accurate. And then we don't hesitate to
0: make a change. Our values are non-negotiable. Yeah. That's a starting point. Can you think of an example that you you know you can tell me a story about how this happened? You don't have to to mention the name of the company but or the property or where it was, but what happened and what did you discover uh, after your investigation, and then how did the separation go?
1: Well, look, a lot of it is based on what criteria you might imagine. Quality of products is not what they promise. Treatment of their workforce is obviously different than what we'd expect. They don't adhere to the same principles around diversity and inclusion that we would uh, support and so those are the general criteria that we would come in contact with that would warrant us digging deeper to make sure what we'd heard seen read was accurate, and then we just won't tolerate. We literally will move on to do business with someone else if indeed we find
0: something in you know in, in the antithesis of the way we like to conduct business. And I assume now that Hilton is the number one, you know, top hundred best company to work for, you're going to see a lot more interest from potential suppliers and partners that'll be wanting to work with you just to get, you know, in the door that way.
1: I, you know, I suspect, you know, we're a well-known brand and uh, we've been in business for almost a hundred years. So we, we've had a lot of interest through the years because unaided, you know, who's a hotel company that you know of, our name has generally been number one through the years. And so I do expect we'll see a little surge, but we've uh, had surges through the years uh, as well, just given how well-known we are. Yeah. What
0: are you doing to um, focus on your millennial level of of team members in terms of training for leadership positions? Uh, Because they could be the future head of the company. For sure. Our training is evolving pretty rapidly. As I think
1: most training organizations are experiencing, we're experiencing the same uh, type of phenomena, which is people don't have time necessarily in their busy lives and their busy work schedules to go away for a couple days of training. So we're moving to uh, a platform through what we call Hilton University, where we'll be delivering training in a way that you're accustomed to receiving media more broadly, which is snackable bites, TED talk like formats that we can deliver to you onto your mobile devices, laptops if you're in the office, desktops if you're in the office, but consider our workforce is largely out in the field and largely walking around properties uh, each and every day. So delivery to mobile devices is really uh, where we want to take our training. This happens to coincide nicely with expectation sets of millennials who are used to receiving their content through mobile devices and digital platforms. Mm -hmm. So this all marries up quite nicely to our strategy, which is to move our entire training platform to a mobile-enabled digestible type of format that you can learn what you need to learn in the moment. We think about the way a millennial generally tends to learn now, it's call out the mobile device, Google it, YouTube it, and learn in the moment. So we wanna take our training to that style that will work very well for our properties where there might only be 15 minute break in between shifts Mm -hmm. or a stand up and back a house where we can enable the mobile platform to be broadcast onto a flat screen and use those 15 minutes wisely. In my view, the day and age of going away for two days of training six months from now are really obsolete. Those days are gone. You don't have that luxury anymore to wait, number one or to go away any longer. Now we still do uh, leadership development in a concentrated way where we'll bring senior leaders together and let them work with one another and team build and so forth. But by and large, the highest volume of our training
0: will be delivered the way I just described. You've been at the company 10 years. You must have seen someone's career completely uh, transform. You know, uh, taking on new leadership roles, someone who may or may not necessarily be millennial, but it could be Gen X or whatever. Who is that person that really stands out to you, just seeing uh, how well they've performed?
1: Well, it happens all the time is the interesting part in our business. And so give humans a chance to be great, and they will generally be great. And so that's really our model with respect to career opportunities. So it literally happens all the time in our business where we'll take an assistant general manager and give them an opportunity to be a general manager of a big property, stretch assignment, not sure whether they're gonna be able to hit the ball out of the park or you know, just a single, we'll, we'll see. They generally do great things, and um, that's a, literally a daily occurrence. I don't mean to sound facetious about it, but it's literally a daily occurrence in our business environment. With 400,000 team members around the world under Hilton flags, we're stretching people every day and they do great things when you stretch them and challenge
0: them, motivate them, and so it's a literally a regular occurrence. Okay. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't start asking you more about Hilton's properties, because you've probably visited, have you been keeping track of how many you've been to? <laughs> yes, indeed. How many? <laughs> Plenty. I'm well into the hundreds at this yeah, stage, yeah. So, uh, but lots more to go. <laughs> yeah, and which one so far has been your favorite?
1: You know, whether you're on
0: vacation or you're going on a work different trip.
1: properties for different reasons. Yeah. And we have so many great ones. But, uh, you know, I'm going to cite the uh, the San Diego Bayfront Hilton for personal reasons. I did a business immersion there where we take our executive leaders and we have them go work in a hotel for a week and do all the jobs. So there I did housekeeping, engineering, managed the bar did front desk check-ins, was a bellman, and I really had a chance to get to know the team there very well, did all their jobs, really hard work. Laundry was my favorite because it was just an incredible task at hand. And to see how hard those team members worked, dedicated themselves to making sure the laundry got done each and every day, was incredibly compelling to me and just a humbling experience. So I'm gonna say the Bayfront Hilton down in San Diego because I know the team there really well and I got to work there for a week and it's a fantastic property. So uh, I really uh, love that one. Oh cool, I haven't been there. My favorite so
0: far has been the Waldorf Astoria on Maui. Ah, yes. Have you been there? I have, I have. I, a friend of ours, um, my boyfriend and I were traveling and I was planning on proposing on Excellent. the beach Excellent. on Maui and uh, a friend of mine called the hotel let them know and he didn't pay for it you know he did there was but surprise to us when we got back to our room after dinner there was a big um shape of a heart in rose petals on the bed and there was a bottle of champagne it was just you know that extra touch you know shows that you know when you have employees who care yes you also take care of your guests too that's exactly yeah, our model,
1: yeah. and I'm really delighted to hear that you had that experience. Yeah, that's great. This is exactly uh, the point that I was uh, making earlier, that those moments that matter are why you come back to our properties. And that's a great property at Grand Wailea in, uh, in Maui, and so I'm mm-hmm. glad you had a good experience yeah, there. Yeah,
0: it was, it was really great. Uh, and we plan to go back. Good, so. excellent. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're happy to do it, Chris. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. You've been listening to Better by Great Place to Work the podcast that helps everyone create better workplaces because it's better for people, better for business, and better for the world. Better is generously sponsored by Genentech, a global leader in biotech and medicine that ranks among the world's best employers. Tell us about your great workplace experiences by finding us on social media. We can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Work underscore U.S. Also tell your friends about Better by Great Place to Work, which can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts.